All right, how's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Renaissance Man. I'm your host, Rob Fishbeck. Uh, it has been a motherfucking day. Whoa. Okay. Um, that being said, I am going to make terrible broadcasting right now. Uh, live right now. If you're free. If not, no worries. Uh, didn't even message my moderators tonight because I am all over the place. Welcome, welcome. How's it going, everybody that's here? I see we got Weston in the chat and John Get Bent. Hope you all can hear me. If there's any technical difficulties, feel free to let me know now. I promise we're going to actually get to good broadcasting here eventually uh, once we get things settled down. Uh, full disclosure, so I got StreamYards like a week and a half ago. And I went to go make the video and I went under YouTube and went go live and put in all my information and all my hashtags, stuff nobody really cares about and put it out on Twitter and put it in all of our social media. And then was like, wait, you use StreamYards now. You don't use OBS anymore. So I had to delete all of that, start from scratch five minutes before showtime and redo all of it. So anyways, I uh, hope everybody's doing well. It, it's a fucking, it's a week. I saw a meme earlier. It was of Chris Farley and it like his hair was all disheveled. And it basically, it said, I'm tired of living through historical events. My goodness, could not agree more. I'm fucking burned out. I, you know, I do these shows and I put on this, you know, persona and all that kind of stuff. But let, let's just talk. Let's just talk for a little bit tonight. I'm fucking tired. I am so burned out. I know everybody is. The whole world is. We're all exhausted. It's it fucking it's freezing cold in Texas. You know, it's like the whole place. Everything's going, everything's going to shit. There's some upsides, right? But man, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm exhausted. It finally started hitting me a couple of weeks ago. This whole, you know, we've almost been a year in quarantine, COVID, the whole shebang. And it's like, wow, that's a whole year. You know, you've got, I've gotten things done. I know everybody's gotten things done and they, they, we live our lives to the best capabilities that we can. But, you know, especially like uh, if you're in your twenties or your thirties, you know, you're very career orientated and trying to move forward and try to build things and everything. And it's just like, this has been a whole year. This is gone. Just fucking gone. I mean, I've got a lot to show for it. And I know a lot of my friends got a lot to show for it because I know so many people have gotten engaged, married, pregnant, uh, started new business ventures like this, written songs, met new people, made new friends on the internet, uh, all kinds of good stuff. But it's been a fucking year that, you know, I've, I went to the movies twice since COVID started, it was, uh, saw Rocky and I saw Tenet, you know, there's three other people in the theater and that was back in the summer when it was, you know, kind of safe to go. Um, not that it was safe, but if you go at 10 o'clock in the morning, there's only other two other people in there. I felt safe at least, uh, you know, been going to the gym, but my body does not look the way I figured it would by now, you know, and I'm sure everybody, you know, feels likewise. That's why we're having this conversation. So, uh, feel free to, throw any complaints into the chat. 
I'll read them out loud because I can do cool stuff like this now. Uh, I'm getting too old for this shit. Watch, says John, get back. Look at this. Look at that. Look at that shit. Fucking progress. Fucking progress. All right. Let's get into the thick of it. I'm going to take my, my nicotine thing out. For those of you that don't know, I just celebrated my three-year uh, anniversary of quitting smoking for good. Legitimately, uh, I've not had a puff of a cigarette in three solid years. I do these these Velo, these nicotine lodgings because it's way cheaper than Nicorette gum. But I'm not off this train yet. I wish I was, but uh, unfortunately, we're not. So like I said, kind of tired today. You're not going to get A-plus broadcasting. You know what I'm saying? But uh, for those of you that are in this chat, you're kind of used to the, we're just going to chill vibe. You know, I'm not the only one that does this. You know, there's pl plenty of other very qualified people, such as myself, that can go live. But we're going to start off with this. You know, I had a bunch of images that I was going to airdrop to my computer and bring them up on here. But we're not doing that shit today because ran out of time. I'm fucking tired. My foot still hurts. It's better. It's like 50, 60% better, but it's not quite there yet. And, you know, I'm just went to the gym, which probably shouldn't have done, but I did. Took a bunch of creatine earlier. That's a whole thing. My sister came over, which was awesome, um, and shoveled the driveway because woke up to fucking nine inches of snow this morning, just like, you know, and it's Mardi Gras. It's fucking Mardi Gras. And I'm like, isn't this the time to celebrate? Nope. Pandemic, three syllables, pandemic, three syllables. Uh, all right, so we're just going to get right into this. For everybody that's out there right now, especially in Texas, prayers, thoughts, positive vibes, whatever you believe in or don't believe in, Rob Fishback is sending your way 100%. I, you know, I bitch about the cold and the snow here all the time in Chicago because it's absolutely miserable. And somebody just told me with about 48 hours ago, she said, uh, you know what I say to people that bitch about the cold? Move somewhere warm. And I said, yeah, that's easy. Yeah, just that fucking easy. But um, that's the plan eventually. That being said, the storm has set record cold temperatures and windshield warnings from all over the fucking place. They were saying, I was reading earlier, 75% of the lower 48 states. So that's everybody but not Alaska and Hawaii. 75% of the, the country is covered in snow right now. It's fucking crazy. And I've been talking to people that live in Texas today, and they don't have power. And it fucking sucks. And it's been a while now, and it's freezing. It's not like it's 50 degrees or 60 degrees. So it's so unfortunate. And my heart goes out to everybody that's uh, without power right now or snowed in or stuck at home because they physically can't get out. Um, they can't shovel and they, you know, don't have somebody to come plow, plow their driveway or anything. Um, it's unfortunate. And for the first time in my life, cause I fucked up my foot last week, I've always been somebody that's capable of, I'll go out there with a fucking shovel and spend an hour if I have to, to get the driveway done, but I can't physically. Um, I mean, I could, but I don't want to do more damage than I already have to my leg. So while that heals up, I'm dependent on other people to come and help me. Like my, my friend Billy came over last week and snow blow the driveway. My sister's come over. One of my three sisters has come over twice 
in the last week to shovel. She came by after work on Saturday and she came by again today. It's very helpful. You know, it's like, you know, I can drive the car and go to the gym and work out my arms and my shoulders and, you know, walk around a little bit, but trying to shovel, is just not next week. I'm hoping next week. Anyways. So the weather is fucking crazy. Like the worst power outages are obviously in Texas. Texas isn't, isn't not prepared to handle all this. They're not used to this. Um, I was speaking with some friends within the last couple of days, you know, and it's like, they don't have plow trucks and, and salt. They're not rip roaring, ready to go. Like we are in the Midwest. It's just not in the cards because they're not used to it. Um, I was reading earlier, et cetera. Dallas was at two degrees this morning. It's the coldest it's been since 1949. Right. John Gipben says, this week is just starting to warm up here. Still minus 15. Oh, oh, that's so, oh, that's just mis so miserable. Uh, uh, my awesome moderator, Lego, who's not here right now, she always says, like, anything under 70 is, like, too cold. And I'm like, yeah, no, 100%, 100%. Um, you know, and then I was reading earlier, like, there is this uh, this Texas county that was scrambling to get 8,000 doses of the vaccine into people's arms because the power went out. And there were, you know, they were pretty much saying anybody that wants to come get them before they go bad. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's absolutely just fucking terrible. It's just fucking terrible. And it's like, yeah, this 19-year-old, him and his buddy waited in line for four hours. And they, they were able to get the shot just because these things were going to go bad and they were going to have to toss them out. I know, I know somebody else that got, um, got a shot within the last 24 hours as well. I'll show you. This is, like I said, I wish I could airdrop this. I don't know how well that, nope, that can't, that ring light is not going to fuck, but this is my front yard this morning. You know, it's just, it's, it's wolf city kids. It's wolf city. Uh, Weston says that's extra funny. Cause I think she lived in Southern Illinois. I don't think she lived up here. I mean, it's still bad, but not, not as bad, I suppose. Um, and it's interesting because it's like, here we are a year into a pandemic. Winter has hit. People are dying. The world's still going on, still moving around. And it's like, I don't know. I really don't. I don't, I don't always have, uh, I don't, I don't have the answers and I don't, I don't think anybody else does either. I mean, this is it's probably the most real you're going to get Rob is tonight just because I think quarantine COVID, the pandemic, the whole thing, like we've all gone through stages of grief. We've all gone through uh, different emotional phases during this time. We've had our highs and lows and everything in between. Uh, and I'm just talking specifically about that, let alone, you know, life is its own animal that we all have to deal with on a daily basis. Right. And I mean, I know so many people that have lost their jobs that you never, that like they're great employees. Like it wasn't anything about them. It's just, especially people in sales, you know, who's buying this, who's buying that. And it's, it's just crazy. So here we are. And for me, you know, the first month and we'll probably do like once we start getting closer to the year mark with with lockdown, we'll definitely be 
kind of really tight. It won't just be me. Like I think I'm going to message a few other people that are in this space. I think all of us should kind of have like these open forums and just talk about the last year and our experiences, you know, because for me, like the first month, it was very scary. I really thought that this was going to be it because in my mind, similar to the movies, right? It's not just the virus. It's the people because, you know, they lock everything down. They shut everything down. You're going to get folks that uh, become desperate pretty fast that are literally living paycheck to paycheck and can barely do that. You're going to be getting people that want to take advantage of the opportunity with everything shut down. And luckily that wasn't, that wasn't really the case, but in my mind, that fear kind of crept in like, you know, opportunists out there all over the country looking for an excuse to go raid a target or a gas station because everything shut down. Now target and the gas stations were shut down, but you get my point, right? And that was March. And that was a fucking year ago, almost, right? And uh, there was a lot of fear, you know, in the beginning. And there's still tons of fear. You know, just because you got vaccinated, there is still no scientific data. The scientists have said many, many times, we don't have enough data to know if you, if you can still be a carrier or not. So even if you've gotten both doses of the vaccine, from what I've read up to today, there is still no scientific evidence either way being able to say you can or cannot be a carrier of the virus still. So that's definitely a thing to take into consideration. The next coming months are going to be exhausting purely for the fact that I know like out of my like really tight group of friends, you know, cause I know multiple people that have been vaccinated. Uh, my sister Hannah has been vaccinated. She works at a school. She's a, uh, she's a counselor. Uh, my buddy, that's a fireman, uh, Scott, he's been vaccinated because he's a frontline worker. His fiance, uh, I don't think, I don't know if she's been vaccinated. I believe it's available to her though now because she's a teacher, right? Everybody I know that I know a lot of people in my close group of like 15, 20 people that a handful of them have been vaccinated, buddy. It's a, it's a county sheriff. You know, he got, he got the vaccine, but we're going to be going through this kind of one by one, you know, who gets it, who doesn't get it. Right. And stay the course. You know, I don't care if I don't get it until September, I'm cool with staying hunkered down or whatever, because I'd rather it go to people that need it, like desperately need it. But then at the same time, it's like if they start reopening stuff back up, it's like, man, I want to get that shot, you know, because here comes the FOMO. Right. So we're all just going to be going through these like grieving acceptance, like all all these like deep touching human psychology things over the next few months, let alone everything. I still don't think 95 percent of people in this country have processed what has happened in the last year because it's a lot. It, it's just, it's so much. And it's like, for me, so I, so I say all of that to get to where I'm getting. Finally, like maybe like five, six weeks ago, right around when WandaVision came out. That's kind of where I gauge it. It all kind of hit and was just like, we've been in this. Holy fuck. We, we've been in this, you know? And 
all right, well, we're moving forward. We're making moves. I'm trying to build businesses, trying to be legitimate, uh, taken more seriously for what that, for what I, what I am able to do as a songwriter, as a performer, as an entertainer in general. And now as somebody that's into broadcasting. So it is what it is, but I'm burned out and I know so is everybody else. So I'm here to say, this is a safe spot to vent your feelings, your frustrations, comments, questions, etc. Because uh, they're there. They're all, I mean, a lot of us have similar thoughts and opinions and questions, you know, about the future. Um, I think Fauci came out yesterday and said it wouldn't be until like November that we'll be there, Right. So let alone, then your brain goes, all right, the movie industry, what are we going to do about the movie industry? Well, it's not my responsibility, but as somebody who enjoys film, what are we going to do about that? The concert venues I know that have been sitting vacant for a year now, you know, all right, they scooted by in 2020. Are they going to be able to scoot by in 2021? You know, I don't know. I mean, even if they're able to do shows in October at half capacity, you know, it's the concession money that they're, you know, it's those 10, $15 beers that's where they're making their money. And people are going to be not necessarily wanting to share all of that. You know what I mean? People are not necessarily going to want to, you know, touch things, especially food. Right. So it's just, it's so much. It's, it's so much. Uh, John get Ben says, yeah, I, I got in a couple of doom spirals, but I always managed to claw my way out. Exactly. There's a, I think it's Chris Christofferson at the bottom of the well, crawling my way down. I know I'm butchering that line, but it's true. I mean, we've all gotten into these. Sometimes they last a day. Sometimes they last an hour. Sometimes they last a month. But we're here, uh, just like the song that I wrote that's out on college radio and all over the internet that was uh, inspired to me by somebody else. It's about getting that 1% better. And I'll, I'll die on that hill. You wake up in the morning and get that 1% better, that 1% happier, or at least try, at least put in the effort to try. You know, Yoda said, do or do not, there is no try. But in this case, try to get there, you know, and that's all we can do as humans. And that's another thing that I think we've all learned over the last year is we're human. We're, we're human beings. You know, humans are humans. And it's not, you know, it's just not as, not as simple as, you know, that. So, like I said, let me know in the chat. Uh, if you can support streamlabs.com backslash Rob Fishbeck. But, uh, you know, at least I got this stream out on Twitter. I didn't quite make it to Instagram and Facebook, but we're here tonight. I'm tired. I'm in raw form. Uh, Sir Joker had a question. He said, let's see. Rob, what have you learned most about yourself during this time? Well, the off-the-cuff answer is I know a lot about a lot of things. I've always known that. But putting them into action, I've learned a lot about myself in terms of, you know, being a musician, kind of living in the same area that you grew up in, more or less, you know, you, you make a lot of friends in the music scene, Right. A lot of acquaintances, a lot of you know, business kind of people. But I've always really just kind of stayed close knit to the friends that I grew up with for the most part. And uh, 
you know, they know you from way back when, right? But getting to know a lot of the people that I've met through these internet communities, I've learned, you know, Sir Joker makes these jokes all the time that I'm like part robot or whatever. Cause I, you know, I'm, I never stop. Right. And that's true. It's just, it's always been Springsteen once said, prove it all night. I took that literally. So it, what's interesting is I think what I've learned most about myself is what I'm capable of. If I really, you know, sit down and just, and, and, and work it out what I'm capable of doing, but I knew I was capable of it before, but now it's finding that audience and finding people that are receptive. And the more people that I meet within the entertainment business through the internet, you know, I'm learning like we're, we're all the same. We're all people trying to make it in this world. And, uh, you know, Sir Joker's got a book of poetry coming out soon and I can't wait to read it. I'm really excited about it. He messaged me yesterday, um, telling me about the whole thing. I'm, I'm so excited. Like that's fucking great. You know, I've met people that can draw like phenomenally other people in this space that, that host like I do, you know, slowly making friends and acquaintances and, and, you know, colleagues. And it's great. And it's like, for the first time, I think it took lockdown for me to go, man, you were driving down a road that was going nowhere. You know, it may have gone somewhere, but the chances were it would probably go nowhere and music would always be a side income. And you'll never make, I probably would ne never have made it in this area strictly doing music because I was always told you got to put all your eggs in one basket working in entertainment. You can't, you can't try acting and writing and, and, and music and, and hosting and broadcasting and all that stuff. You really got to focus on one um, creative outlet. And I learned that that's a bunch of bullshit. That's total fucking bullshit. And don't let, don't ever let anybody tell you that that's the truth because it's fucking garbage. And, you know, when I was in college, that's what I would hear from people. You know, I, I met, met up with a guy who's, he's, I, to be honest, I don't, I don't even know if he's still alive. He's fairly old then. I uh, used to co-write with like George Strait and a bunch of cats in Nashville. We were talking and he was giving me some advice once. And he said, you know, that he goes, well, there's a, there's a formula to it in terms of like writing a good song. And I looked at him and I said, that's not true because I could list you thousands of songs and albums that don't follow that verse chorus, verse chorus formula that are far superior than most of the crap that gets pumped out on the radio. And looking back at that, you know, conversation, I'll, I'll shed some light and say, yeah, for the machine, for the music machine, for the pop music machine, that's pretty much the truth. You know, there's a formula to it, but what we've learned is that you can work outside of that and be even more successful because most of the artists that I like, they don't play them on the radio, but there's so many other avenues now where there weren't 10 years ago um, or there were, or there were five years ago. They just weren't as mainstream COVID brought us all into this online world. You can watch concerts virtually. We can do shows like this, right? Which you could do before, but why would I spend all this time and energy building a studio and getting proper lighting and all this stuff? I got, I got gigs to play on the weekend. Well, those gigs went away. So investing in this was, you know, clearly the, cl clearly the right move. So we're doing a lot of rambling tonight. I don't know. It is what it is. 
Oh, I'll take one more question from Sir Joker, and then we're going to get into this fuck Tim Boyd story because that's really something I want to talk about. And Sir Joker, you're welcome to ask more questions. Um, I'm just for, for now, at least until we get through the next subject. How much do you think your art is COVID influenced? My book brought my whole theme of my book to my face. Yeah. You know, you guys want to know a secret? All right. You're hearing it first on this show. I don't know why. Why do I do these things? Why do I tell people these things? Um, I was in line like three hours ago at a taco place picking up dinner. And I, the first album that I released like officially, officially was called Tomorrow is Forever. It's been out for almost two years now. And it was very like Americana country kind of sounding. The follow-up record that I wrote. So it's not just the songs. You write for the way I work, at least I write the outline, right? Kind of themes, characters, narratives, write it like a book. And then the songs just become the chapters. Okay. But they're not concept albums. You could just take any of the songs and listen to it on its own. And that's how, that's why it takes me so long to do things because the song has to work on its own as well as a piece of the album. So for every five songs I write, one of them might be one that I consider to put on the record, but the other four songs are good. I just don't have the time to cut them. You know what I'm saying? I'm only one person and it's, you know, not the only thing that I do. So I know UGG country, right, right, I know. Yeah. So Americana, more folky Americana music, acoustic music. So the follow-up record was supposed to be called Portraits of Today. And my plan was summer of 2020, going to my friend Ben's studio and cutting the next album, just following it up right away. Had a lot of the songs written um, and the ones that I didn't have written, I kind of figured out where I wanted to go with them. I had titles, right? Maybe a key, okay? Characters, storylines. And then COVID hit. So then I started writing all, and then I was writing last winter, I was working on this EP um, about like snow in Chicago and just like winter time. It was going to be a four song EP. And, you know, which is an extended play for those of you that don't know, it's just, you know, like a shorter shorter album and didn't get around to it was like, I'll cut it next winter. That's fine. You know, no worries. Or I'll cut it next fall. No worries. Cut the record, blah, 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 blah. All that stuff's still sitting on the back burner. And then cause COVID hit. And then I started writing some other stuff here and there kind of took a break from it for a bit. And then you all know the story by now, you know, September 1st hit and I wrote somebody a theme song and was like, God, I miss writing. It's been too many months. And then started kind of fucking around and like writing like funnier songs for, for them. But, and I plan on doing more, but then I started to write seriously again. And I wrote 1% better, which was inspired by uh, Roxy's show, but not, it wasn't going to be a funny song. It was gonna be a serious song. So I did it and was like, cool. All right, we're back. Let's write more. Right. So I started to, and then finally today, while I was sitting in the drive-thru, all of the titles came to me. Some of these titles I already had in my head because I had started writing the songs, but the rest of them came as titles. And I'm like, this is the album. It's month by month COVID. You know, it's an emotional roller coaster, right? So, you know, I'll, I'll give you, I'll throw you a couple of the titles and I'm not going to give them to you in order because like I said, uh, there's a lot of work ahead and we'll get there. One song is called Skating By, Looking for Superman, 
North Star. Can't brace for impact. Forward. I just want to go home. I just want, as in parentheses, go home's a song. Holidays and hopelessness. The mistake. Perfect balance. And learning how to love again. Those are some of the titles that are going to be songs on this next record of mine. So you heard it here first. Tell your friends, tell your family. Rob Fishbeck's back. He's going to be writing some shit. I'm really excited about it. So that's that. That's that. Um, let's see. All right. We're going to talk about Tim Boyd. Did I know who this fucker was three hours ago? No. Would I have given a shit? No. But this fucking guy. Okay. So I, I did all the research right before I went live. That's kind of why, partially why I fucked up the YouTube thing. But we're going to talk about this. I'm going to read his statement and then we'll get into it. Now, according to what he was saying later on this afternoon, he filed his resignation as the Colorado City Mayor of Texas. Um, he he uh, filed his resignation uh, prior to the 12th, but I don't, I really don't fucking care because this guy is just a douchebag. This is what he said. So former mayor of Colorado City, Texas, I want to read the whole fucking thing. Let me hurt some feelings while I have a minute. No one owes you your or uh, your family anything, nor is it the local government's responsibility to support you during trying times like this. Sink or swim, it's your choice. The city and county, along with power providers or any other services, owe you nothing. I am sick and tired of people looking for a damn handout. If you don't have electricity, you step up and come up with a game plan to protect your family warm and safe. If you have no water, you deal without and think outside the box to survive and supply water to your family. If you are sitting at home in the cold because you have no power and are sitting there waiting for someone to come and rescue you because you're lazy is a direct result of your raising. Only the strong will survive and the weak will perish. Folks, God has given us the tools to support ourselves in times like this. This is sadly a product of socialist government where they feed people to believe that the few will work and the others will become dependent for handouts. I am sorry that you have been dealing without electricity and water. Yes, but I'll be damned if I'm going to provide for anyone that is capable of doing it themselves. We have lost sight of those in need and those that take advantage of the system and mesh them into one group. Bottom line, quit crying and look for looking for a handout. Get off your ass and take care of your own family. Bottom line, don't be a part of the problem. Be a part of the solution. Fuck this motherfucker. Fuck him in the asshole. Fuck him 69 ways. Fick, fuck him, fuck him however you want to fuck him. I don't mean literally. I mean like throw him off of a goddamn bridge. I'm not trying to incite anything, but fuck this guy. I mean, you know, like short bridge, maybe 10 feet off the water. Woof. Woof. Are you fucking me? Are you fucking kidding? Are you fucking kidding? Sorry, I'm shaking the camera, shaking the table, shaking the camera. Let's take a moment 
I may have just said something that got me canceled by it when I said throw them off a bridge. I meant throw them off of a short bridge. Throw them 10 feet of water. Fuck this guy. Fuck him. He's, he's a Republican, by the way. It's not a sick joke, John Gitbent. Weston says this douchebag should be, be uh, fined his entire pay for the citizens of that play for sure. Fuck this guy. Fuck this motherfucker. Instead of tweeting, instead of putting that out on Facebook, maybe he could have taken that five minutes that he spent doing that post to start a Facebook group like I would like to start with uh, some of my friends and colleagues. Uh, I want to start. I want to start something on a Discord about pop-up places that are trying to get rid of vaccines across the country. Get the word out. Get everybody involved. That way, if you live in Chicago land and there's this place that's got 500 doses and they got to be gone in 24 hours, boom, we can get the word out right away. You know what I'm saying? This guy could have spent that five to ten minutes making a Facebook group for people that need help, that are out of food that are single moms that have four kids that live paycheck to paycheck. She works three fucking jobs, works her fucking ass off, but the power went out. It's below freezing. It's been 24 hours and the rest of their family doesn't live in the area. And all of their friends that live in the neighborhood or the city are also without fucking power. Are you fucking kidding me? This guy could have spent that five to 10 minutes starting a Facebook group using his platform as the former mayor of Colorado City, Texas, to take to Facebook, use his platform, create a group to spread word and awareness for people that are desperate, that need help right now. While I'm sure all of the frontline workers are more focused on not letting people die from COVID-19 than, than, than knowing all of the people that are about ready to freeze to death in their house or about ready to run out of food, okay? This is another thing that we learned in 2020, folks. We're all humans. We can make as many jokes as we want. But at the end of the day, we're all humans. There is no Superman. There is no Captain America. Okay? Those people don't exist. They're fictional characters. Okay? So Sir Joker likes to joke around with me saying I'm like Batman or like a robot and stuff. And that's great. But he and I both know at the end of the day, I'm, I'm a human. We're all humans. We all make mistakes. We all fuck up. We've all said things in the past that we regret. I know I have, and I'm sure you all have as well. It's getting up every day and trying to be a better person. And I've spent every day of my life for the last year trying to make up for some of the mistakes I've made in the past and try to be a better person and get that 1% better, that 1% happier. Be there for the people that need me. I bitch. I complain. I'm a human. But at the end of the day, if I was going to rant on Facebook, instead of spending that 10 minutes ranting, I would have used my platform like this guy should have to do something good. I'm sure he's got a lot more friends and followers than I do. And he could have used his platform to do something positive, but he didn't. And now, you know, I had a conversation with somebody months ago. And with a few people, actually, and we were talking about faith in humanity. And I said, I've lost a lot of mine. We've seen a lot of good in the last year that's come out, but we've seen so much of the ugliness and so many of the bad things that have happened, right? And it's true. 
we've seen so much of it. The Cairns of the world, the, you know, whatever have you's, right? And here we are, okay, here we are in 2021 after everything. And this motherfucker is going to put that shit out there. Now, he has said, you know, Boyd made another social media post later Tuesday afternoon saying he won't deny for one minute what he said in the post, but that many things were taken out of context. What context is there, sir? What context is there? The capital letters, the exclamation points. Telling people, telling people how it is or how they should be in the middle of a situation in which I'm sure this guy has backup generators at his house, okay? I'm sure this guy can put his family in the car and fucking drive somewhere else and stay in a nice hotel for the next couple of days. This guy, I don't care what the context was. You shouldn't have done it. What we've learned in the last year is that the internet will take things out of context. So be weary, tread lightly, be careful of what you say, because it will, not might, but will come back to bite you in the ass. He didn't give a fuck. Why? Because he believes it. He believes everything that he's saying in that post. And it says a lot about, it says a lot about our elected officials and how they think they're better than everybody. Now, that's not all of them, but I would say it's a good portion. He doesn't care because he believes it. He believes everything he said in that post. It's exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting. You know, uh, it's unclear. Well, it said, it says in the same spot, Boyd writes that he had already turned in his resignation, although it is unclear if he did so before or after writing the Facebook post. Well, I'll tell you what. So Tuesday afternoon, Boyd posts another message. I would never want to hurt the elderly or anyone that is in true need or help to be left to fend for themselves. I was only making the statement to those folks that are too lazy to get up and feed, feed, feed and fend for themselves, but are capable, should not be dealt a handout. I apologize for the wrongdoing and some of the phrases that were used. Please understand if I had to do it over again, I would have just kept my words to myself. And if I did say them, I would have used better wording and been more descriptive, more descriptive, more descriptive. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? More descriptive. Were you not descriptive enough? Were you not descriptive enough? Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Let me know what you guys think in the chat. I'm very upset about this because it's like I said, this man has a large platform being the mayor of, of a town. Okay. I I'm friends with the, the, the town that I grew up in has a population of about 25,000 people right now. I'm friends with the current mayor on Facebook. He's actually, he's the town I grew up in. He's come to a few of my shows. I know him fairly well. And when he posts things on Facebook, he knows he's got a platform. He knows he's got the ears of a decent sized crowd and audience. Okay. This man knew that. This man knew that. And even if he really does regret all of these things, 
it really shows he's unfit and unqualified to hold public office at that level or any level for that matter. Why? Because he cares more about his own thoughts and opinions than he does for the people that voted him into office. He's putting himself, his words, his thoughts, and his opinions, prioritizing them over the good of the people. Now, obviously, we just had somebody leave the White House that was on a whole nother level of that. But it goes back to my earlier point. He could have used his platform for good instead of spewing nasty things and calling people calling people net not necessarily names but calling people things that you don't know their lives sir you don't know their lives shouldn't even call them sir fucker you don't know their lives you don't know their circumstances you have no idea while you sit and wherever you live comfortably and it's 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 absolutely disgusting it's absolutely disgusting oh all right, this is a good segue because that that's all that needs to be said on that. If you guys want to read more, Google Tim Boyd. You can find all kinds of things. <sighs> Do you think that girl did something wrong on The Bachelor? It looks like some gone with the wind bullshit. Not like that. Maybe I just got, well, here's the deal. I don't watch The Bachelor. I know somebody that does. I don't watch The Bachelor, though. I've never I've never seen an episode of it. I'll be quite frank with you. And I only get my news about The Bachelor from somebody else. So I don't feel like I'm qualified to weigh in on the situation. Also, because I've not looked into it myself either. But, you know, I... I get what you're saying, Joseph. I don't know any... I don't know enough about the situation to answer your question, to be quite frank. Uh... It, that's all bad. It's all, it's all bad. You know, I'm going to, if anybody's watching this show that, that, that doesn't follow certain other people, you know, try not to trend with the Holocaust. Try not to do that. Try not to have the words racist and the bachelor be in the same sentence on trending on Twitter. Cause this is dangerous ground. We've learned so many, so many things, so many things in the last year, so many things. And this is still where we're at. This is still where we're at. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Jay, uh, welcome, Jay. I've not seen your name in here before. Everybody uh, send guitars for Jay, welcoming Jay to the show. Uh, I would say send flamingos, but I know well, Lego's not here. Send flamingos because the whole bird thing. I don't, I don't know the bird thing. But Jay says $150 for a kerosene heater. Texas get down to 30 and below all the time in winter months. And at nighttime, people just don't prepare for power outages. So I'll tell you what, Jay, I, I appreciate that. Thank you for um, giving some insight to the situation. Uh, I will say this, however, we had a massive storm here uh, right around Labor Day. It was bad. It's bad. There was a, it wasn't quite a tornado, but it was very similar to a tornado. Touched down just a few miles down the road. And we got a, a tree came down. We were out of power for about 24 hours. Okay. A lot of things went as a long fucking 24 hours. It was, it was bad. And immediately the first thing 
I did was I called some of my buddies that have generators because they have shops that use them all the time. Um, and I'm like, hey, can I get a generator? Well, you know, wait till tomorrow. But, you know, yeah, we'll work on it. So I went to a couple of stores looking for generators and everybody was uh, sold out. Like they sold out so fast because nobody was prepared. I think that's something that people we just need to invest in more in this country is backup power supplies just in general. You know, and there's a lot of people that can't afford it. But, you know, if you can, it's probably not a bad idea. Um, but like I said, from my own personal experience, like the whole town sold out of generators, you know, that fast. You know, I was lucky I bought a uh, jumper pack for the car. You know, it's one of those things. It's a jumper pack. You can it's air, right? Just charge it with an extension cord. And I got that. So at least we could charge our phones and our iPads and stuff, right? And then just, you know, use the data plan for Wi-Fi. But we got through it. The upside was it was too hot. It was 90-something degrees out. So, you know, it was a little bit of a different story. But I appreciate, appreciate sentiment, Jay. Really do. Seriously. Uh, I hate The Bachelor here. Let's see. I hate The Bachelor shows. I'd rather watch Days of Our Lives in General Hospital. Oh man, you know, we all, that's, what's great. I'll say this again. I say this all the time. That's what's great about art is there's enough for everybody. Everybody can like their own things and there's enough to go around. Um, I don't like date. I don't like soap operas or reality television personally, but, um, yeah, probably out on patrol in Gotham. Yeah. I don't know where she's at. I messaged her. She's not around. Let's see if she read it. She didn't read it. I know she's been trying to get on like a new sleeping schedule. So maybe that's going on probably way too much inside baseball today, but whatevs, whatevs. So I'm going to move on. We're going to talk about Taylor Swift real quick, and then I'll take your questions and we'll probably get out of here. So Taylor Swift is re-recording her first handful of records. I've known about this for a while. I'm sure the public has known, known about it as well. Um, they'll be eligible for Grammys because she's doing new new songs on some of these albums that were never released before. Okay. And uh, there's a whole bunch of shit we could go into, but I really just don't feel like going into it. Basically some days you get like Rob, the CNN reporter. Sometimes you get Rob, the entertainment, you know, host, right. When I have a guest on, it's a totally different game, but today you're just getting Rob Fishbeck, human being, Rob, the human. So, this is what I wanted to talk about, about the Taylor Swift thing is simply this. I heard the new version of love story. It's not, it's not like nine inch nails is hurt versus Johnny cash is hurt. It's not like that big of a difference, but it is noticeable because it doesn't sound, it doesn't sound like country politan pop bullshit. It sounds like a, sounds like a pop rock song straight up and down. And I think this new version is even better than the original. So I'm really excited to see what she does. Um, to me, we've never had anyone like Taylor Swift. And unfortunately, that's partially due to the fact that the way women, you know, for every, I don't know, for every fucking 25 male, famous male musicians, there's one female musician. You know, it's unfortunate and luckily that that's changing. But We've never seen anyone like Taylor Swift before in the music industry. You know, she really is uh, a businesswoman and an entrepreneur, but she's also an artist. She's a true artist in the sense. So the fact that she's doing this 
is really cool. And I'm so excited to hear the whole record when it comes out. I believe she's doing Fearless first, um, which is was that used to be my favorite Taylor Swift album. And then it was 1989 and now it's folklore. So it's interesting. It's very interesting. But um, Taylor Swift, go check it out if you haven't yet. I'm really excited to see what she does. Um, like I said earlier, the kind of gist of the whole thing was basically that uh, – Oh, she'll be el currently eligible. Eligibility guidelines will allow for the new performances and albums to be eligible if they were recorded within the last five years, explained a, explained a spokesperson for the Recording Academy. However, none of the older songs will be eligible for songwriting awards. So this is really just mostly about the Grammys, which I, I don't really... It's cool to win a Grammy, but... And I'd love to win a Grammy one day, but it's kind of bullshit. And most of the best songs of the year aren't necessarily the ones that win Grammys. Then it's usually stuff that's like on the hot 100 and got a lot of producers on it. And, you know, they kind of campaign similar to the Academy Awards these days. They campaign for their song to win. And it's like a popularity contest, but you got to be in the in the club to be even considered in the popularity contest. And that's, uh, you know, it's, it's fucking, I put the Smiths. I, I know I'm random tonight. The fucking, the fact that the fact that the Smiths are not in the rock and roll hall of fame is all I need to say. Okay. The reason the Smiths are not in the hall of fame is because Johnny Marr and, uh, Morrissey have, have made it abundantly clear. They're not interested in getting back together. And the truth of the matter is, is a lot of the reason why people are picked to be to come into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, especially now, right, is for those cool performances that they give at the ceremony. You're not going to get that with the Smiths. So why would why would the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame want to bring them in when they could get somebody else that's newer and maybe not as groundbreaking as the Smiths, okay, or as good as the Smiths? or even in the rock and roll genre, right? Or pop genre, right? To come, by the way, you never see country artists getting into the Hall of Fame. So kind of my, my proof, you know, I'm so glad that rappers are getting in, but if, if they don't really have country artists, then why are they letting rappers in? It's fucking the rock and roll Hall of Fame, people. That's my tangent. But the Smiths aren't in it, and it's bullshit. And that goes exactly back to what I said about the Grammys. They're kind of bullshit, too. It's all fucking bullshit. It's all bullshit and it's bad for you, George Carlin. Go listen to George Carlin. Everybody should listen to 10 minutes of George Carlin per week. It's my, my homework for today. The last show was watch the Sound City documentary. Today it's listen to George Carlin. I believe it. I am top of my lungs. Haha. <laughs> Award shows dying. I may or may not know this, who the Smiths are. So Weston, the Smiths were a band. They only, they only made four records plus like a compilation album. They're banned in the 80s. And I'm sure you're familiar with Modest Mouse. So Modest Mouse put out a bunch of really cool indie records in the 90s and early 2000s. And then they picked up Johnny Marr as a guitar player for them. And they put out uh, two records in the mid-2000s, like Float On. That was a big hit, right? Um, and kind of he helped them kind of become a little more mainstream. But Johnny Marr used to be in a band called The Smiths with Morrissey, who was the lead singer and songwriter. 
they made a lot of depressing music. They made a lot of great rock, but they only, they were only a band for like five years about that. They made four albums, the Smiths meet is murder. The queen is dead. Uh, strange ways. Here we come. And then they had a like greatest hits compilation that my dad had on CD when I was growing up that I listened to called um, louder than bombs, I believe was the compilation. But at least in America, they only had four albums. Um, but they were fucking great. Sir Joker says, I asked you a question up there about your current opus. Oh, shit. Let's scroll up. So ready for love or looking for love? Song title. Uh, elucid on that for me, please. Man, I can't read words right. E-L-U-C-I date. Uh, yeah, so it's not about me. Uh, um, no, the song's called Looking for Superman. That's a different, uh, oh no, Learning to Love Again. That's the song title. So that's a, that's a, that's a title I wrote down in my multiple notebooks like 10 years ago. And I was like, this is a good title. I'll use it one day. Don't ask me why the song's not written. I don't even know what the song's about yet. I just got the title. That's, that's the title though. It's learning to love again. So probably being a major key. You know, uh, so yeah, that's, I don't know if that answers your question or not, but mm -hmm. pay to play says John get bent. I got to see that documentary says, Matt, I know who do you love? Who do you love? All right, folks, Rob's tired. I'm going to get out of here. R and B and hip hop having issues with rock and roll hall of fame induction ceremony. I saw ice cube and Gene Simmons going at it of who should get inducted. I like queen and NWA Soundgarden too. Says Joseph. Yeah, there's, it's, you know, it's interesting. I, once again, the rock and roll hall of fame, you know, the term rock and roll is not just about music. It's a persona, right? So I look like a human right now, but I could go change my clothes and do my hair a certain way and put some beard oil in and grab my guitar. And I'm now rock and roll Rob. It's a, it's a, it's a way of life. It's sex, drugs, and rock and roll. So rock and roll, the music genre is one thing, but rock and roll is also a lifestyle and country musicians live that rap, that lifestyle. Rap artists live that rap, uh, rap artists live that lifestyle. So do people from a, in an abundance of other genres, but, um, with the rock and roll hall of fame, it started out for pop and rock artists, you know? And then it's expanded, right? Which is fine. I'm all for that. I'm all about inclusion, right? I just think they need to sit down and go, all right, we need to like release a public statement and go, listen, you know, um, Garth Brooks should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I don't particularly care for Garth Brooks's music, but what he did to make country popular in the 90s also kind of ruined it. It wasn't him. It was more the, the record companies. But as far as I'm concerned, he is just as revolutionary as anybody that, that has been inducted in the last five years because people like, because of Garth Brooks, right? We got so many ar other artists and, and um, bands that were inspired by him to do their own thing, okay? So like him or not, which I'm, like I said, I'm not a big Garth Brooks fan. He fits that mold as an influencer. Therefore, he should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Now, George Strait, who I do like a lot, I 
I don't think really influenced as many people outside of the country genre specifically. So that would be a different conversation. Same with rap, right? If you're a rapper and you influence all kinds of people that are not just in your genre, you definitely should be included in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because it's not just a genre anymore. It's a lifestyle and it's a, it's a way, it's a way of life. So I don't know if that answers your question or not, but I'm trying, I'm trying here, kids. Sir Joker says, do you typically write the songs or titles first? So all sorts of different ways. Some like, sometimes I come up with a title and then flesh out the song. Sometimes I come up with the whole chorus at once. And then I go write the verses. Sometimes I come up with a verse or a line and it sits there and I stare at it on paper for five weeks. And then the rest of it comes to me. I've written songs in so many different ways that I stopped trying to figure out what my way is. And I just let the songs do what they're supposed to do, which is I read it and go, Ooh, I like that. I'm going to add to it. So I spent a long time as a young songwriter going, well, you know, Paul McCartney usually writes the music first and then he writes the lyrics. Well, Rob, that doesn't work for you. Or sometimes it does. Uh, you know, so-and-so writes the lyrics first and then writes the music. Okay, well, that doesn't work for you either, but sometimes it does. Writing the chorus, for, you know, so what I've learned is the songs will come. The songs are in here. The songs are in my soul. They're, they're in the guitar and I'm just waiting between using this, using this, and using my instrument, all three of them together, the stuff comes out of your soul and becomes a song. So that's my songwriting advice. You know, if I ever make it one day, that would be my advice to people is the advice is you just got to wait for it to come to you. It's like fishing, you know, but you can't, you can't just keep reeling it in and changing out the bait and going, well, I'm going to use purple glow in the dark worms, plastic worms that I got from Bass Pro because the stink bait's not working. Or I'm going to use this cut up liver because the purple cut up worm plastic worms from Bass Pro aren't working. Or I'm going to put a couple of weights on the thing and see if I can get to the bottom because this isn't it's patience. It'll come. I've had, you know, my, 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 my first album that came out, there was a song on it that was already three and a half years old by the time I recorded it. It had just been sitting around and I'm like, I'm going to use this one day. I'll use it one day, just not now. So it happens. It, it's just how it goes. My sister says hip hop needs to have their own hall of fame. That would be awesome to get into. So what's interesting is that there is the country music hall of fame. I don't think there's a rap hall of fame yet, but I might be wrong. I might eat my words on that one. I will say this though. The rock and roll hall of fame is a very prestigious and pretentious award at the same time, like an Oscar, right? So they have, you know, there's the independent spirit awards. Well, that's not as prestigious as winning an Oscar, you know, nothing against the independent spirit awards, but it's, it's a different thing, right? Just like the SAG awards, like the SAG awards, you're, you know, voted in by your contemporaries and your peers and colleagues, right? So cool, but it's not an Oscar. And in music, right, to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or the Songwriting Hall of Fame, which I know about, but those of you watching the show probably had no idea that there was a Songwriting Hall of Fame. 
There is, you know, and it's, it's pretty cool if you can get into that, but that's the thing is that if they were to start all of these new award shows for music, they just wouldn't have the same aura that is given off that's, that's given off with the rock and roll hall of fame, right? 1986, I believe was the first 86 or 87 was the first year of uh, inductees and you know, so I'm all for that, but people are still going to want to get into the rock and roll hall of fame. No matter who you are. I've been there twice. It's fucking awesome. It's in Cleveland, Ohio. Sir Joker says, who are your biggest songwriting influences? Very easy. I'm just going to list a bunch of white dudes right now. So give me a second. And I, I make that joke because it's like, it finally dawned on me a couple years ago. I'm like, you listen to a lot of white dudes. I don't know. I, I, it is what it is. Uh, Springsteen, Leonard Cohen, Bob Dylan, Neil Young, uh, Ryan Adams. I know he's not a good person, but he's partially why I got really into country music was Ryan Adams and the Cardinals. Uh, Jason Isbell, Tom Waits, John Prine, Johnny Cash, Merle Haggard, Willie Nelson, uh, Lennon and McCartney, Jagger and Richards, Paul Simon. He's great. You know, Fleetwood Mac, they're not just great songwriters individually, but they really know how to make a cohesive sound together, right? Um, you know, because sometimes it's like when you're writing a song, the lyrics are good, but the music is fucking great. Whereas like Bob Dylan, okay, the lyrics are the best fucking things you're going to read all year. But the singing and the music is fine. Does that make sense? So I've always been somebody that goes for lyrics first and or catchy melody. You know, a, a great, you know, I love Tom Waits. I love Leonard Cohen. I love Bob Dylan. I love Neil Young. I fucking, I love their music. But, you know, at least like 15 years ago, I'd try to get some of my friends to listen to it. And some of them dug it. And some of them were just like, Oh, this Tom Waits guy, like, whoa, you know, because he's got a very unique voice. So it's kind of like to each their own. Wesson says, ah, Johnny Cash. So what's interesting about Cash is I like I like the stuff he did when he was younger. I'm scratching my leg right now, by the way. I like the stuff that he did when he was younger. But the stuff that he did with Rick Rubin starting in 94 with the American Recordings album, through his death and then the records that even came out after he died because he recorded so much material okay that's the stuff that i carry with me you know i got live at Folsom prison here hanging up on the wall i just kind of redid the studio a little bit that's a great album you know this this the stuff he cut with june carter in the 70s was great it's all fantastic the highwaymen when they did that collaboration but for me the records that i'll listen to the rest of my life are the ones he did before he died partially because he finally had a producer that knew how to take what was awesome about Johnny Cash. Like Johnny Cash made so many records that sound like garbage. He sounds great, but the records sound like shit because a lot of the times back in the day, the producers and especially Nashville didn't know how to capture it just, they just didn't know what they were doing. That's why a lot of those records just sound like garbage, right? 
So you get Rick Rubin, who's used to working with like the Red Hot Chili Peppers, okay? And put him to work with Johnny Cash. But not only that, you know, the second album, Unchained, the whole album, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers is his backing band. Mick Fleetwood and Lindsey Buckingham are on, the, on that album. There's so many, I mean, all of his, all the American recordings albums had friends, on, you know, friends of his that were on, that, that played on it, other famous musicians, you know, so many greats. And Rick, you know, Rick Rubin would bring them in and they'd make these songs and they just elevate it. Another great example is Chris Christopherson. Go listen to his epic songs from the 70s. Best fucking songs they ever wrote. The production is terrible. They'll put you to sleep. They'll put you to sleep. But 98, he recut all of them. Like his like best of or whatever. It's called the Austin Sessions. Okay. Had a bunch of his buddies play on it and stuff. And it's phenomenal. He's a little older. So the songs sound, sound, songs are like an old shoe. You know, it just fits. It's a little worn and it fits just right. It's snug. It hits that sweet spot. That record, those versions of those songs are the ones that I'll take with me forever. You know, Sinatra, another great example. I have a, my grandma when we were, when we were kids, we still have it on CD. It's called The Main Event. It was like 1974. It was a live Sinatra album. Big band, big orchestra, you know. Those are the versions. That's the version of my way that I like. You know, the, the studio version is fine. It's great. But that live version from New York City, the main event, that's the version of the song that I want to listen to. So I know I'm kind of going all over the place, but to go back to Johnny Cash, what he did the last 10 years of his life, I think eclipsed his entire career in my personal, humble personal opinion. And really made him live out the myth and the le the legacy and the legend that was Johnny Cash. He finally like enabled, he almost like became a caricature of himself in a good way. He finally like fully became that thing that everybody thought he always was. And he was able to finally do it in music, in the record. And that was thanks to Rick Rubin and the team behind him, right? And his buddies and people like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers that came in and played on these records. So I know, like I said, uh, me too. I'm a lyricist. That's part of the reason I didn't really get into rapping. The need to follow the beat annoyed me. What is most challenging aspect of writing for you, Sir, Sir Joker? You know, getting it done. Um, overthinking, I don't know for all the writers that are out there, I've learned one of the things I've learned in the last few years is just don't overthink it. You know, you're a good writer. Stop questioning yourself. You know, there would, there used to be times where I'd sit and I'd stare at the page and I'd look at three words and I'd go, I don't like those three words. And I'd spend six hours coming up with 50 different ways to say those same three words, that same phrase. And none of them at the end of the day would hold a candle to what I had written. But I'm just thinking like that term has been used before in songs. Like I recognize that term, right? Let's try and come up with something better. And at the end of the day, it's like, you know why that line works? Because it's the best way to say that line. Trust your gut. You know, um, 
there's a difference between artistic instinct and artistic intelligence. And the longer you're in it, the more intelligence you have to bring to the table. The early days, you kind of react on instinct. And for me, it's using both. It's using all the tools in your toolbox. And too many times, I think, do writers in general go, well, I'm writing this and this would require me to use a screwdriver. So I'm just going to use a screwdriver and I'm not going to use any of the other tools in the toolbox or the colors on the palette, however you want to phrase it. And I used to think that way, you know, well, this is this kind of a song. So I need to kind of focus on it. That's not true. I mean, you can go after it that way, but then if you get other ideas and other things and you want to bring a hammer in and a wrench and blah, 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 some duct tape, you can. And that's, you know, I think that that's what made the sixties and seventies so great with music, partially because they were all on drugs. So they weren't overthinking it. They were just letting it come to them. Right. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's definitely the most challenging part for me, but it's something that you learn to live with and you work on it over time. You get better at it. So that's Whistler from blade, right? Uh, Oh, Chris Christopherson. Yes. I've not watched the Blade movie since they came out. I need to watch those. Wow. Yeah, that's Chris Christopherson. Yeah, he's also an actor. He's a good actor, too. He also starred in Trouble in Mind, kind of an old movie from the 80s. Yes, I've seen that. I've not seen that movie in years, in years. All right, everyone. We are going to get out of here. I want to thank everybody for joining me. It's been a blast, as always. I apologize for being all over the place today. Shaking the table, shaking the camera. We're going to get better at that, right? We're going to focus on our butts and our ums and our ands, and we're going to take this thing seriously. Rob's talking to himself. That's how you know he's losing his mind over here on Renaissance Man with Rob Fishbeck. Until then, we will be back soon, very soon. Got a guest lined up for next week. Uh, next, be doing, I'll be doing WandaVision Thursday night going into Friday with my new co-host, Legoland13. She'll be joining me and then we'll be doing a Sunday show doing a Tuesday show next week. And we'll be doing a Wednesday show next week as well with a special guest, a buddy of mine, Ben from DZ records where I cut my first album. It's going to be the first kind of unofficial Rob's rhythms here on the YouTubes. And we're going to be talking about uh, kind of the behind the scenes stuff with music production. So I'm saying this now and I'll be reminding everybody throughout the week. Hopefully everything works out and he doesn't cancel on me, but get your questions together because he is educated in this. This is what he got his degree in. So I can talk about songwriting all day, but this guy can talk about how to get that sound out of the guitar with amps, preamps, microphones, etc. So bring your questions to the table. He's happy to answer all of them. We talked yesterday in length about it. I'm really excited about it. And it probably will not be the first time or will not be the only time he'll be on, you know, over the next few months, because there's so much to talk about. And it's, he's never really been able to just speak freely about all this stuff because nobody, you know, asks him on a daily basis, you know, let alone on a, on a format like this. So until then you can find me everywhere at Rob Fishback all over the internet and uh, on Instagram at Rob underscore Fishback. Remember to fluff your pillows. Do not fluff. Let's try that again. Take two. Remember to fluff your pillows. Do not flush your pillows. Also, try not to trend with the Holocaust. I'm going to steal that line from somebody else because I think that's just, 
that's just a good, that's a good thing to remind everybody. So fluff your pillows. Do not flush your pillows. Take care of yourselves. If you're burned out, we're all burned out too. Take time for yourself. Be well, stay safe, take it easy. And we'll see you soon.